Dakota. This is completely off topic, but this morning when we were walking down to the car, it was, it was just really gentle, soft rain just falling down. And it, um, it's the kind of rain that, I, I mean, I love it. It actually, it, it makes me really happy because it's just this, this, you kind of get this freshness in the air and the smell of the earth and all of that. And just as Caleb was praying for me, I thought that... Um, that's how the Spirit is coming to us today, as a soft rain that will gently soak the earth of our hearts and minds. And um, yeah, just encourage you to, well, be encouraged, actually. I don't encourage you to be encouraged, but be encouraged. The Lord is with us. Um, wherever, however you're feeling, whatever's going on for you, He is here and He is with you. Uh, so we're going through the book of Luke at the moment. And uh, I've got, um, James said, can you speak on something from Luke 10? And yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's what it's like. We're on to this chapter. Say whatever you want to say, right? So, um, so I thought I would talk about the Good Samaritan because it's such a cool story. And the, the version of it here in Luke, it's also told in um, some of the other Gospels. And it's, but the version of it here in Luke is one I particularly like, so... So what I'm going to do to start with is, can you change the slides, please, Sam? That's probably not very readable, but I'm going to read it because it's, it's, it's just a cool story. So in context, in Luke 10, we have, um, first of all, Jesus sends out 70 disciples and tells them to go out to all the villages and cast out demons and heal the sick. And they come back and um, rejoicing. And then... He goes through all of this, and, and they start asking questions about what's going on, all that kind of thing. And in that process, he ends up being questioned by an expert in the law. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So when it says an expert in the law, that's the Mosaic law, the law of the, um, you know, the, the Old Testament and all the scriptures of the Old Testament. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, Jesus replied. How, how, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself not Jesus, the lawyer. So he asked Jesus, who is my, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was walking down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite who came to that place, to the place and saw him passed on by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he was traveling, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, 
And when I return, I shall reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three men do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. There's just so much good stuff in the story, but I'm, I'm quickly want to just whiz through a few things. So the, this expert in the law asks the question, you know, what must I do to inter, inter, uh, inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him, well, what does scripture say? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, that's, so he'd, he'd thought about this, and he was an expert in the law, and he knew what the, a good, right answer to this was. But there's this thing that it says in verse 26, or 29, but he wanted to justify himself, or another translation for that, vindicate himself. And so he asked, who is my neighbor? If you could go to the next slide. I've, I, I quite enjoy the Net Bible. You can get it for free online, and it's got these great translation and study notes with it. And in the study note for this, it says the expert in religious law picked up on the remark about the neighbor and sought to limit his responsibility for loving. Some believe that this obligation would only be required through the, through, toward the righteous. The lawyer was trying to see if that was right and thus confidently establish his righteousness. So the, the verse that's mentioned there is in the Apocrypha from a book called Sirach 12, 1 to 4. If you do good, you know to whom you do it, know to whom you do it, and you will be thanked for your good deeds. Do good to the devout, and you'll be repaid, if not by them, certainly by the Most High. No good comes to one who persists in evil or, who, or one who does not give alms. Give to the devout, but do not help the sinner. So um, reading that, I can understand why that is apocrypha and why people went, we don't actually, the rest of scripture and the rest of the testimony of Jesus does not support that. Uh, Micah 6.8 says, um, we know what to do. Uh, we know what, ju you know what justice is, to walk humbly with God, to, to do justice and do mercy. I, I badly butchered that, but that's, <laughs> ba that's basically what it says. Yeah. Um, and so it's all through, all through Scripture, right? And so we have this story, and so, and so Jesus responds with this story. And a priest comes. Now, a priest is an expert in the law. They are the ministers of the community. Uh, and the expectation would be that a priest would help this man. We don't know why he didn't. Maybe he was afraid of the robbers too. Or maybe he was afraid he'd become unclean or something. I don't know. It doesn't say. It's not, not actually that important for the story. The, peace, the priest passes on by. And then a Levite, right? The tribe of Levites were, were the, the priestly tribe, as it were. So again, someone you would expect to go and help. and to, 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 They know the law, they know what it says, and they know that they should, deliver, they should be the agent of mercy here. But passes on by. Again, we don't know why. These are pious people, but they walk by. And then Jesus, this, it's kind of hard to imagine how offensive this may well have sounded to the people of the time. Because Jesus says a Samaritan came, saw the man and had took pity on him or had compassion for him. So Samaritans were viewed 
by the Jews, by the Jews as kind of as heretics, right? As people who hadn't really, they were, my understanding, and, and forgive me anyone if I get this wrong, but is they're kind of related to, to Jews, but, but slightly different, and they have this different take on the gospel, on, on, not on the gospel, on the, the law, and they were basically looked down on. They were, from a Jewish point of view, they were, they were second-class citizens, third, fourth-class citizens, right? They were, they were just not good people. And so this Samaritan comes along in the story and he sees the man and takes pity on him. He pours oil and, uh, and, and uh, wine on the wounds, which was to cleanse the wound and, and bring comfort. So that's not cheap. He then puts the man on his donkey, takes him. And is, I mean, I, I, I don't know, the, the, I get the impression here, the man's beaten half to death, right? So not even sure if he's conscious. It would be quite an effort to put someone like that on a donkey and then take them to the nearest place you know, of safety. He, he's holding them on there maybe, he's walking. Um, he's also potentially in danger from the same, very same robbers. Takes him to an inn, to a place where he can be tended to and then tends to his wounds, looks after him, bandages him. And then he's clearly got business to do. So he goes, well, I've got to go. But he says to the person, here's some money, look after this man, restore him, help him, and I'll be coming back to Jerusalem, and on my way back, I'll stop in, and if it costs you more than two denarii, tell me how much it costs, and I will repay you. I mean, that is, that is, that is a sacrifice. For, he doesn't know this person, may well never see him again. By the time he comes back, the, guy, the person might be healed and gone. That is sacrifice. It's such a beautiful story. And then Jesus says, which of the three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And I just, I just like to imagine things. And I can, just, you can just, I can just feel the expert in the law who thought, oh, yeah, I got this. I know how to to get this so that I don't, you know, so I can justify myself and justify my position about, oh, well, you only do good to good people. You don't do good to, to sinners, right? You don't do good to bad people, which is a very worldly thought, not a very kingdom thought. And then he hears the story. And you know that, you know, have you ever had that feeling when you can just feel yourself being hemmed in <laughs> and being backed into a corner and then you're standing there in the corner and you go, uh, the, the one who had mercy on him? You know, or, or grumpy, right? The one who had mercy on him, because you're like, oh, you've shown me up. Um, I don't know, but uh, and then Jesus says, go and do likewise. This is kingdom living. Go and do likewise. In John, uh, John 13, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you: love one another. By your love for one another people will know you are my disciples. This is something that's been rattling around in my head for a long time. How is the church known in the world? How is our church known in the world? How are we known in the world as Jesus' disciples? Is the thing that people see our love? Or is it something else? It's hard, right? It's, 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 but... It's also beautiful. 
So I want to talk about coming alongside. Right? What is love? So when we look at the story, the Samaritan comes alongside this wounded man. He bandages his wounds, like I say, he pours the oil and, the, and, and that on. It's expensive. And he, he pays all this extra cost as he does this. He goes, oh, this is what I have to do for this person to be safe, for this person to be healed. This is what I have to do. And he doesn't say if he did it grudgingly or willingly or whatever, but he did it. His heart, in some ways, doesn't matter. His actions do. I mean, I think he did it willingly and, 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 and all that, but, but you don't, you know, it doesn't actually say. And so, but I think the thing to recognize in the story is that this was costly for that Samaritan. Also, potentially not good for his reputation to help an Israelite. And this showed the lawyer what loving your neighbor as yourself is. Sometimes it's easy. Yes, you can have a cup of sugar or whatever it is that your neighbor comes over and asks for. But sometimes it's hard and it's costly and it requires us to sacrifice. In, um, so last Sunday, uh, my uncle Dan passed away. He's a, a, a really good man. Um, his wife passed away almost a year, like 11 months before, so the family's going through some pretty tough stuff. But we went to his tangi on Friday, and it was such a beautiful witness to his life. But one of the things that came out of this um, was that, actually, before I get to that, on the way to the funeral, I was driving along with Jude, my, one of my boys, if you, um, uh, in the car, and he's preparing a talk for his youth group on Tuesday. And he, uh, he was asking about um, judgment, and you know, as, as Christians, how do we, the language he used was hold, hold people to account, right, to the behavior, that we, to, to how we're to, supposed to live our walk. And we were talking about this, and the more we talked about it, the more I struggled with, not with what he wanted to say, because actually what he wanted to say was really good, but the language of it, this idea of holding someone to account. And he said, well, what would you say? And I, I hemmed and hawed, and you know, I'm driving along trying to work it out. And in the end I said, well, what do we have to do? And I'd been thinking about the Good Samaritan. And I was like, well, if someone, if our Christian brother or sister is going through difficulty, falling into temptation, struggling with um, sin or whatever, then what are we to do? We're to come alongside them. Go, hey, I think something's going on that you're having trouble with. Can I help you? What, is there something I can do to help you? Not to come, like the, the thing with holding to account is even if you never say it, in my mind, that's my attitude, and that's an, actually an attitude that speaks to judging. I'm holding you to account. You're not living to the standard. And so there's a, um, 
And that's what I was struggling with when we were talking about it. I was like, but you can't, you know, if you, if you come to someone with that, most likely they're going to feel it. And the reaction to that is not going to be one, may well not be one that support, that, that enables them or we, that gives you a path to helping them. By your love for one another, people will know you're my disciples. And so we were talking about this and talking it through, and I don't know what he's going to talk about with his youth group on, on um, Tuesday, but it was, a, it was a really fruitful conversation for me because actually I didn't know what I was going to talk about today. <laughs> and it just clicked that this is what the story of the Good Samaritan is about. Jesus is telling us that kingdom love is coming alongside people, not in judgment, but in, in love and support. The, you, know, you see someone beaten up on the road, you can think of all sorts of things. Maybe they deserved it. Maybe they were a robber who got robbed by robbers. You know what I mean? But there's none of that. It's just, I'm going to help this person. This is what they need to do to be restored. It's not about judging them and saying, you know, the, um, when you walk down the road and you see someone who's homeless, and you go, oh, I could give them some money. Oh, yeah, but they might spend it on booze. You're acting, you are judging that person. You are acting in judgment over that person. And uh, what was it, C.S. Lewis, I think, said, you know, something along the lines of, I'm going to the pub, so I'm going to spend it on booze, so if they do, what, you know, that's, that's up to them, <laughs> right? Um, but... You know, so there's this, so this, I had this conversation with Jude. And then we're at Dan's funeral, and there are these stories about his life and the impact of his life. And he had a very hard upbringing in um, various uh, homes and things like that. His family got broken up when he was quite young, and he had to go and he lived in the system. Thankfully, um, Jesus broke into his life and transformed him. And he spent much of his life, with his, him and Kay spent much of their life fostering people who were going through the same system that he'd been in. But not just fostering them, right? I was talking with one of his kids, um, his daughter, afterwards, and she was saying how these three kids, basically the knock at the door and there's three kids there, right? All under 10, or, or no, one, I think one was a teenager. And they just welcomed them in, built a little extension on the house, gave them a room, they stayed with them for 10 years. Another person, they paid for her wedding. They didn't just welcome them in for a time. They gave them a home and a family, and it was costly for them. And they just kept adding to the house, adding and doing more and doing more and taking on more people. At, at Kay's uh, funeral, uh, someone said something that there were about 34 or 35 people who'd been through their home as foster kids. One of those foster kids played music at both funerals. Um, and they came alongside those kids when no one else would. And it's just, it's deeply humbling for me um, to see that as the kingdom being played out in real life. That is the kingdom. The problem with, if you can go to the next slide, the problem with judgment is that it's not really ours to give. Now, we are supposed to be discerning, 
We're not supposed to be foolish. You know, why is a serpent innocent as doves? So we do need to think and be, and, and be careful and assess situations. But judgment is the Lord's. You know, I, I've um, <laughs> had those moments where there have been people who I've been in church with and now they're not in church anymore. I'm like, oh, they're probably not a Christian anymore. That's actually not my place. That is me acting in judgment over that person. I don't know what's going on in their heart. I don't know what their walk with Christ is like. I don't know where they are. The best thing for me to do, if I can still, still can, is to come alongside them. And if I can't do that, well, I can pray for them regardless, right? but not pass judgment upon them. By a love for one another, we'll be known as his disciples. And so we, we don't really have authority to judge. The Lord will make it, will make the decisions. We, need, we do need to be wise and we need to be um, humble and walk obediently. But, and it's such a subtle thing. I find for me, the line between discerning and judgment is wither thin, right? It's, it's whoa. I'm like, yeah, boom. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. And actually, the times I do it and don't realize I've done it for weeks or months or years even, and then I'm kind of like, oh, actually, that wasn't good, Matt. So rather... What we are called to do, what the parable of the Good Samaritan tells us, and what Jesus' response to, he says, who was the neighbor, the one who showed him mercy? And what does Jesus say? Go and do likewise. Be agents of mercy. Be agents of love. Be the hands and feet of the kingdom. Be the body of Christ to each other and to the world around us because, man, it needs Jesus, <laughs> basically. It needs the kingdom. And we do. I, I, I'm in constant need of um, God's mercy and grace. And the thing with this is that when we do this, we are following in the footsteps of our master. Because what did Jesus do? What did God do? God, in glory, in heaven, in this realm of um, glory, and oh, I'm just going to go and find it. Philippians. And funnily enough, it's this start. So this is Philippians 5 to 11. But it starts with, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So, by your love for one another, the world will know you are my disciples. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name. That at the same at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What did Jesus do? He came alongside us. If you're here today and you believe that He is Lord and that He rose from the grave and broke the power of sin and death, then He came alongside you. He came alongside you and He showed you that. And actually, as you walk with him, he continues to be alongside you. A few, uh, was it a couple of weeks ago? Um, James spoke about the, um, the bit where Jesus says, my yoke is heavy. Sorry, my yoke is light. Um, and uh, come to me, or, you know, you who are burdened. And that, if you go to the next scripture, yeah. So in Matthew and Luke, it says this, right? He says, but, and he had this picture of a cow, two cows, bulls yoked together and they're walking alongside and they're leaning into each other's strength. It's such a beautiful picture for me because that is, that is God coming alongside us. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever you are doing, wherever you are, he is right there with you, alongside you. And um, yeah, let us be like the Samaritan and not the, the lawyer. Not this is nothing against lawyers in general. It's that specific <laughs> one, right? That specific one. Um, but let us be like the Samaritan, who took on the costly love, rather than the lawyer who is trying to avoid the responsibility. And it's a big challenge to lay down. Um, but we are not doing it alone. We have the resources of heaven. We have the resources of this church. We have the resources of the church. We're in this together. What I'd like to do is for us um, to just have a, a moment waiting on the Lord because he's here, he's here. Like I said, like a soft rain. He has come alongside us. He's, well, he's always been alongside us, but I know he's here and he's here to come alongside you, whatever's going on for you. So if we could stand... Um, and uh, I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come um, and, uh, and we'll just wait on him and wait and see what it is that he might want to, to do today. Haere mai wairua tapu. Come, Holy Spirit. I mean, it almost seems strange asking you to come because you're here among us, you're, you're with us, but, but more of you, Lord, more of you, Holy Spirit, come, come and touch our hearts and our minds. Draw us into the wonderful love 
of Jesus. That sacrificial love that he came alongside us in our woundedness and our brokenness and restored and is restoring us. Come, Holy Spirit. first thing I want to say is that if you haven't met Jesus or given um, your life to him, that the greatest act of coming together was him coming and living among us a sinless life and he was betrayed and murdered and rose from the grave on the third day and broke the power of sin and death and made a way for us to be in relationship with God. And he invites you now if you want to know God and you want to have your identity rooted in God and, and, and stand on the rock of salvation, then he's inviting you to respond to him today. Now, I'll come to how to respond in just a sec. Um, also, I think that um, in, in life... Jesus doesn't necessarily promise us that our troubles will be taken away in this life. Uh, in fact, in some scriptures in John, he talks about how we might be persecuted for our belief. But he does promise to be with us. He says in the Great Commission, I will be with you to the end of the age. That he will walk the road of suffering with us. You know, when I'm praying, I most often pray for him to take away my troubles. But recently, he's been teaching me to not to stop praying that. I don't think that's a bad prayer. But also to pray that I would know him more deeply in my struggles. I still pray for them to be taken away. But even if they're not, 
that I would know him with me as my refuge and my shelter and his church as my haven. And so there could be all sorts of things that um, are going on for you. Um, you might want healing, physical healing, um, or um, emotional healing if you're struggling, um, or um, you know, um, mental healing. Or you know, in, the, in today's day and age, material healing, struggling with the cost of living and all of that kind of thing. Know that you can bring all of these things to him and so much more. Um, yeah. So if you want to respond to any of that, um, I think you can, if you, if you want to, you could come uh, up the front and, and people will gather and pray with you. The, there's nothing special about being here. It's just that sometimes the act of moving helps us to, um, you know, to take a step towards the invitation that the Holy Spirit is laying before us. So I'll pray a blessing over us all. And um, if you would like prayer for anything, then please come and we'll, we'll pray for you. We'll gather, people will gather around you. And if you want to get a coffee and have a chat and, or, and get your kids or whatever, then that's all good too. Go and do that. Go in peace. Know that he has come. He is alongside you. He is with you. He is for you. And that's today, tomorrow, and every day. And if you don't know him and you want that, then let's talk and we'll pray with you. I hide here under your shade. I'm held here, covered by grace. As you call.